both a sense of individual identity and interdependent community. In fact, four times in this relatively short passage that we read, we find this both and. In verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. In verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Both and. I think we need to be honest, though, with ourselves for a moment that if you live at this moment in history in this particular place on the earth, and I assume you do, um, then chances are pretty good that your faith, your spirituality, your journey with Christ tends to focus on this side of the both and. Our faith, the living out of our beliefs, so easily becomes focused and centered on the individual. And I don't know that this should surprise us. Uh, It's not hard to imagine that the rugged American individualism that's hardwired into our culture hasn't rubbed off on our understanding of faith. I mean, individualism is a core tenet It's a core foundational stone in the house that makes America what it is. Reinforced every day by marketing, celebrated in media. How could it not shape our theology? But the scriptures ask us to hold a both and. To, yes, recognize and celebrate the unique God-given individual identity that we each have and hold the foundational truth that we cannot be our truest, fullest selves without each other. We are individuals created to live interdependent lives. But holding that tension, friends, holding both and in this culture is really hard. I looked up, I got out a dictionary. I didn't get out a dictionary. I used the dictionary online to look up what individualism means just to make sure I had a sense of it. And I thought the definition was helpful. The habit or principle of being self-reliant or independent. And this is a guiding principle in our culture. Daily imploring us to live independently, self-reliant lives. And notice that individualism is not really the affirmation of the individual. That's not what it is. Individualism is not saying to you and to me, hey, you're a unique person. Um, No one's quite like you. You have your own story, your own giftedness. That's really not what individualism is saying. Individualism is saying, hey, you're a unique person. So unique, in fact, so special, in fact, that you don't need anybody else. You You can take this thing on your own. 
Now, some of you may say, hold on. Um, okay, that's what individualism is. But there's lots of people, aren't there, who don't buy into individualism, who want to live a both-and life. Isn't that true? And I think it actually is. In fact, I think if you call the branch your home, um, I think almost certainly you are someone who wants to live both-and But the point I want to make today is that even if you want to live that way, if you want to both honor and celebrate the God-given uniqueness of each person and live an interdependent life, the flow of culture is actively working against you. A number of years ago, I went tubing. You know what tubing is? You go on and get this big inner tube of a tire and you throw it on a river and you hop on top of the tube and you let it take you down, right? And there's a few different ways or a few different types of experiences. You can go tubing in a river that's really fast moving and fun and lively, or you can go to the Thornapple River, which is what we did, a local river here in Grand Rapids. Fine, fine body of water, but not a particularly fast moving body of water. And, you know, in fact, sometimes you're sitting there in your tube with, with your friends and you're wondering if you're even moving, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not speedy. And yet, every hour, we'd be further along down the river. Every 15 minutes or so, we'd make it around another bend or pass by a distinguishable tree or under a bridge to a road. And I, I can't help but think that the forces of our culture act in a similar way. Culture, I think, is like a slow but constantly moving current. And unless you intentionally try to move against that current, it will move you, perhaps slowly, perhaps in a way that you don't even typically notice, But its influence on you is unmistakable, and it does, in fact, move you in a certain direction. And so in a culture in which individualism is a foundational principle, I think you and I should expect that we are every day being moved further along down the path of individualism unless we are intentionally trying to choose a different course. Or to put it another way, individualism can easily become our habit. The problem here is not just that culture, though, is moving us in this direction. Guess what? Your ego really likes this way, too. You kind of like to think that you're self-reliant and independent. (laughs) At least I do. Maybe you're not like me, but I think most of us find our egos to go, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to go. Um, and I'll add a third thing that moves us in this direction of individualism, not just culture and ego, but I think we often feel or experience the fact that living an interdependent life is hard. <laughs> right? People are hard. And if you're going to get close to people, and start to rely on other people and connect your life to other people, it probably is going to get messy. And so we maybe just pragmatically sometimes say, you know what, this is just easier. Right? 
And so there are a number of factors pulling us in this direction, away from a both-and life. And again, let me be clear. This is not an anti-individual sort of sermon. The Bible clearly affirms the uniqueness of the individual, the, the particularities of your life that are unlike anyone else's. Um, and it also calls us to link our lives together with others. It rejects individualism, in fact. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You, friends, belong to something bigger, something more expansive than yourself. You and I are bound together, whether we are aware of it or not. We are all connected. It is all connected. You know, as scientists began to understand the origins of the universe, how planets are formed and how a planet like Earth comes into existence with water and Earth and all the things that it has, they connected the dots and realized that every molecule on this planet came about because a star died and exploded. And so you hear this expression that you are stardust, right? <laughs> uh, in other words, it is all connected. You may think that you're just this unique little thing running around on this planet. In fact, you are fundamentally connected to everything in the cosmos. Or maybe that's too big of an example. How about the, all that the pandemic has taught us? about how connected we are from very fragile supply chains. You didn't know you were connected to the toilet paper supply chain, but you, in fact, are deeply connected to it. Or the fact that we couldn't hug someone when we were hurting, or we couldn't sit around each other's tables, and that ache, that hole that we felt, told us, reminded us again of how connected we are. For this Friday, I officiated a funeral. And at the cemetery, I said words that have been said millions upon millions of times, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. This reminder that our beginning and our end it's all connected. And your beginning and my beginning and your end and my end will be the same. And more than that, or in, in addition to that, I also saw in this, in this funeral, in the visitation, and then afterwards, a very clear picture of how much we need each other when we are experiencing deep loss and Tremendous joy. We are meant to be connected to each other, to feel that together, to walk that road together. It is all connected. We are all connected. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. It is both and. The scriptures have been offering us this wisdom for millennia, and we as human beings, every once in a while, try and 
re-articulate this wisdom. This week I was reminded of a South African um, philosophy, a South African a bit of wisdom that gets captured in the word Ubuntu. You may have heard of this before. It, it gets um, communicated in ideas like this or gets summed up in, in ways like this. A person is a person through other people. I am who I am because we are who we are. I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that hears this bit of wisdom and it deeply resonates, and then there's a part of me that wants to like resist that. It's, it's both and in that way, too. I think verse 15 back in our passage seems to anticipate um, our hesitation about something like this, right? Paul writes, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We can tell ourselves that we don't belong, or that we don't need each other, but no matter what we say, we do not stop being part of the body. We, in fact, do belong, and we do need each other. It is both and. Yes, you are an incredibly unique and important part. And you cannot live alone. It is all connected. We are all connected. Bishop Desmond Tutu, reflecting on that Ubuntu idea, said it this way, my humanity is inextricably bound up in yours. Hmm. Now, to live a both-and life in this culture that we live in with our egos, uh, hmm. I think we may need to lean a little bit more into the we part and not the me part. There may need to be some intentionality. I don't think that we live both and lives by accident. There's just too much working against us. If, if you and I are not purposeful, I think the current is going to take us in a assured, uh, an assured direction. And so I want to invite you here just for a moment as we conclude to reflect on your life in a form of prayer that we sometimes practice around here, which is simply getting into a posture of receptivity. And that can look dozens of ways, I'm sure. But we'll often say something like, you know, get your feet flat on the floor right now and sit up straight so that you're attentive to your own self. And if it's helpful, close your eyes just to minimize distractions, really, if nothing else or to find a soft gaze ahead of you. Again, just so that you can be attentive in this moment. And if it's helpful to put your hands palm up on your lap, just as, a, again, a way for your body to say what your heart wants to say, that I'm, I'm open, God. And then just in the next few moments of quiet here, I just invite you to reflect. 
Has the current pulled you further in a direction than you maybe realized? Is this a moment to kind of check in and just ask yourself, am I living both and or really just one of the two? And then what would it mean for me to move to a place where I am holding both? How might I both honor the individuality of myself and others and live a more interdependent life? So just in this posture of receptivity and openness, check in with yourself and with God. What may God want to say to you this morning? What might God want to show you? If we're headed in a direction we'd rather not be heading, the Bible says repent, which carries all kinds of baggage, but repent just means turn around. Are you getting carried by the river? Step out of it for a moment. Is your path taking you in one direction that's unhelpful, unhealthy, unwhole? Turn around. What would that mean for you? Is there a relationship in your life that when it is healthy and strong is one of interconnectedness for you? Is there a way to nourish, nurture, or restore that relationship this week? What would that look like for you? God, we bring our lives in this moment and we pray and ask that in the moments to come, today, tomorrow when we wake up, help us to be open and attentive then as well to the life that you are calling us to live. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.